cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Well, hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Strike Final. We're, we're back. We're back in our house. Uh, but Joe Patrick, this this house is is not a not a home not a home right now. <laughs> oh my God. Um, wow, it's dark. dark. We were thinking some dark thoughts already. It is uh, it is not good. It is not not great, y'all. Um, one one draw here at MBS tonight. Eighty uh, fifth minute equalizer for FC Cincinnati and their team of scallywag uh, collection of USL players. They seem to have dredged up off the street <laughs> and uh, Kendall Waston. Um, and yeah, not great, not great. A whole lot of interesting things going on. Of course, the discussion has been fascinating. Um, Joe Patrick has somewhat taken up the sword for Frank DeBoer here a little bit. And we'll talk about that. Um, we'll try to be as fair and objective about that as possible as we kind of work our way through, uh, this Frank DeBoer discussion, because obviously, um, we're coming off a, off a game that's, contentious for a lot of people right now and we're coming off uh some quotes from frank DeBoer just minutes ago really uh that that are contentious in in a lot of ways they're gonna have people riled up so we we have a lot to kind of get to we're eventually going to get to your questions as well as we grief counsel a little bit uh, this. can i defend myself on the DeBoer thing because i want to say i I I want to say one thing about this and it's it's not that i'm defending him in that he needs ample time to prove whether he is or is not the manager of this team. I think it's still too early, way too early, actually. Mm-hmm. I think you need uh, a lot more time. And I wouldn't say that in at this point in the season in every case, but considering Atlanta, the context around Atlanta's season and the fact that Frank DeBoer has not been able to train these guys on the, on, on the training pitch in a tactical system for, I think, two consecutive weeks. He hasn't been able to try to tweak anything, make any tactical adjustments because they've either been in playing a match or recovering from a match or in a, a match preparation day to get ready for the match the following day. They've literally been playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. And so I think it's been that for two weeks. Um, and I think we saw a notable improvement between the first ready on game and the second ready on game when he had a full week. Full week off. But, you know, we're, we're getting into the nitty-gritty. My, my, my main point is that he needs to be given an ample amount of time, again, to prove whether he is or maybe he is not the Atlanta United manager for the long term. But we need more time to figure that out. Are you encouraged by anything you saw tonight? No, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't. I don't think the performance was good tonight. And you know, I posted something uh, on Twitter earlier saying that I was going to use people's you know terrible tweets against them later. Um, and who knows? Maybe maybe I have to eat my words there. But I was not talking about. How the team, how I was expecting the team to perform tonight. Uh, I mean, I was expecting a win, but I'm not surprised that they played kind of poorly. Um, the team has just been run ragged over the last two, three weeks, and they really need to like reset. Uh, right. that, that was the sense I got from talking to the players after the game that they they needed to they needed a come to Jesus meeting. Well, yeah, that's the phrasing. That's exactly the phrasing yeah. I used. I was going to say that reset was maybe a little too light. Uh, with the sense I got from Brad Gazan, especially after the game, and even from Barky as well, was that this was going to be more than than just okay. Let's let's take some time to collect our thoughts. This is we need to sit down and have a talk. 
with each other. I've got the quote from uh, Guzan right here. Um, he says, "Did your parents, when you were a kid, ever say like say, like tell you that you were going to have a talk?" Because I yes. I got that. It's like, oh yeah, we're totally. having a talk. Totally. And sometimes they would do that thing it's where terrible. they would tell it's you the they're going to have a talk, yes, and then they that... wouldn't do it for like a couple of hours. Yep. So you're just sitting there worried yep. about the talk. Um, let's see. Uh, but he says. Uh, there's a lot of games we played. It's our second game of the season. We can't let this be our defining moment. It's a chance to have real conversations among ourselves as professionals, as competitors, as athletes. Uh, those conversations will entail some honest truths. At the moment, we aren't good enough. Now, Brad wouldn't get into specifics of what that is, obviously, um, but it did seem very focused on sitting down. And like we said, it's, it's come to Jesus time uh, already, uh, way earlier in the season than we kind of expected. And Joe, I do want to say, before we kind of get any further with this my my nuanced gray area take is someone uh on the chat says sark out stop <laughs> telling me to fire sark um, good bit uh, <laughs> so but my nuanced gray area take for all this is i think that, that both sides have a, a bit of a claim to being to being right here i do think that that you're right in the sense that Frank DeBoer needs more time, but I completely get where everyone's frustrations are coming from, uh, from a tactical standpoint, from the standpoint of the way uh, DeBoer kind of portrays himself sometimes. Mm -hmm. We'll get into these quotes and say, I know I keep teasing them, but these quotes are really interesting coming from Frank. Uh, but also from an aesthetic standpoint over the last few games, even tonight when we were on the front foot a lot, we had over 70% possession. It wasn't, it, there was no teeth to it. Didn't seem meaningful. For casual fans who may have been drawn in by an attacking style, it's kind of concerning to wonder what they're thinking about it a little bit as well. It's it's, it's very off-brand, um, and I think that may be one of the biggest things for this front office when well, considering Frank it, DeBoer. It's something that you and I and Doug Roberson chatted about just briefly a second ago, which is that you know when Frank DeBoer came into the team, he said that it only needed a minor or a, a, just a, a, a minor upgrade or like a software upgrade, you know, just like a, some minor tweaks here and there. But really, what we're seeing is a is a completely different philosophy and a completely different system. It's an overhaul. Honestly. So, and, and and Frank talked after the game tonight, saying that you know I questioned. I said, would you ever consider pulling out of the three four three and going to another formation? Since you know the team really has not created very many chances in the last few games, and he said that you know he put the team in a three four three because it was what they were accustomed to playing under Tata Martino towards the end of last season. And that kind of leads me to think that this team is also, I think it's some, this is something that's gone way overlooked and under-talked about, is how much this team misses Miguel Almiron. His energy running, connecting midfield to Joseph, um, he is a game-changing player. We're seeing that at the Premier League level now. And I think this team is struggling to figure out how to play without someone, not just of like his pure quality, but his very unique skill set that he has. And Pitti Martinez, obviously, very talented player. Don't get, you know, I have no questions about his talent, but he's definitely not the same type of player that Miguel Almiron was. And I think the team is really struggling to fill that void. He's not the same type of player, but is he being implemented right now in a way that makes this team the best and that makes him perform the best? And I, I don't think the answer is yes right now. Um, and that, that comes back to the way DeBoer has kind of set this up. We, we can... Miguel's a huge loss, obviously, obviously, and I completely understand that. Um, but it is concerning if we continue to go forward, I think, and see that he's maybe not being deployed in, in the best way possible. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's totally fair. And I think that, you know, a lot of people have had their issues with the tactics that Frank DeBoer has deployed. And I, I asked him after the after the game, like I said, that, it, you know, 
will you consider changing it after this game uh, to try to go to something else, just to try to spark, you know, some life into the team and get them creating some chances. And, you know, I think, and it kind of all plays back into what I was talking about when we started this, this age dad here, which was that he needs, if he's going to change something, he needs more time. He can't change to a four, two, three, one or a four, three, three, um, uh, on a Sunday when you had a Wednesday game, you've got a Wednesday game coming up. It's just, it's not really practical. I mean, you can do it in FIFA, but it's a lot harder in real world. I do want to say there's another side to that, though, and I think we can talk a little bit about the rotations uh, that, that he's made or their lack thereof, mm-hmm. really. Um, I think it, I think his his explanation was weird. It's contra- he contra- he's contradicted himself what he, with what he says and what he does. <laughs> right, right. And so l- yeah. let me go. We'll go ahead and get in these quotes I've been talking about the entire time. I thought this was a super interesting, and it made sense the explanation for why he didn't rotate tonight. But at the same time, you're kind of side eyeing it. A little bit. Um, so he says, this is the first home game. You want to be as strong as possible. There's almost 73,000 people in the stadium, and we had a loss, of course, in the first game against D.C. So you want a good result. You think maybe you might do some rotation, but for me, the most important thing in getting a, was getting a boost to the next game. Sometimes you have to risk those things. A home game, everyone wants to see Gonzalo. That's normal. That's why we put him in. Weird. It's kind of weird that you would like admit that you kind of did it to yeah. appease the fans, right? But which yeah. comes back to the whole thing. The, the PR outlook of all of this is so interesting to me because you have a guy coming in whose history is one that is negative for the most part. If you take out, if you take recency bias and you look at the most recent examples we have at Inter and Crystal Palace. Uh, then you have a perception of a guy who is maybe a bit bumbling in what he's been doing, who has been struggling uh, right from the get-go. We're seeing that here. Um, so obviously the PR aspect is going to be on his mind, but then you hear some of the quotes, and if the PR aspect is on his <laughs> mind for those, then that's concerning because he doesn't understand it. And to me it's beyond. It's, it's even beyond that and comes down to trying you know, the tactics and trying to win the game. I mean, he talked after the game about uh, the team needing runners in the second half, uh, players you know running beyond the line, and meanwhile he's got Tito Villalba that doesn't come off the bench in this game. Yes, who literally that's like the thing he does. Like that that is sure. that is his thing. And, and to, to clarify that a little bit too, his main point I think he was trying to get at was that Tito in, in tighter spaces is going to be less technical, and so that was his reason for for not doing that. But back to your point is that if you put someone in like Tito, who's going to be making those runs, those spaces are going to get stretched. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's, right? he's going to help other the players around him just by his presence, you know, mm-hmm. being there. So, and that's the kind of thing I've started to notice. Frank, you know, kind of contradicting himself in this fashion um, from time to time, and and you know. English isn't his first language. I'm not trying. I'm not making an excuse there. I'm, but I'm just saying maybe he's just trying to like have verbal diarrhea throughout. Just get the press conference over with and hope hope that no one is kind of understanding what he's saying. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's a tactic. Absolutely, he's, it he's is absolutely a filibuster tactic. I've seen it from coaches at all sorts of levels. I had to laugh at a very a very high up NFL coach one time. I was. In a press conference, Ford did the same thing. And I <laughs> notice it now more and more that coaches have started to do this really kind of filibuster and keep talking. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to get you in trouble. Especially when they, <laughs> they, they, sometimes they understand they've made a mistake in their answer. And so then that answer is just going to keep yeah, going. Yeah, it keeps going. going. It just spirals out of control. Yeah. Um, interestingly, we also talking about the tactical changes and not bringing in Tito and everything like that. He went on to say, and this is good because talking about the verbal diarrhea here, he went on to say that uh, he thought. Those runs in behind created a lot more chances in the second half. And flat out, we're going to 
fact check that right here. They absolutely did not. <laughs> um, none of the stats hinted that at all. Uh, much more uh, key chances in the first half for Atlanta United. Uh, more shots. More shots on target. The second half was not better from a chance perspective, even if it was perhaps a little more lively towards the end with Andrew Carlton coming in and maybe coming close to making some things happen. But, but he provided a spark. But I thought, yeah, I think I tweeted something out about the 70th minute. It looked like the entire team was dead. Yeah. They, they, at one point, you, you uh, nudged me and said Remedi's dead. Yeah, that Remedi got when burned. I, when I said that was Remedi had just chased down Greg Garza, and he was literally when Garza finally passed and and Remedi stopped chasing him. He Remedi grabbed Garza <laughs> and, and was like patting him on the back, like trying to like be friendly. But he was honestly, it looked like he like needed support just to, like stay on his feet at that moment after making that sprint. It was, mm-hmm. um, and then but I hey, think Remedi come off. It's I the first I time I think he did. You got to play everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's just a whole lot of interesting things. Do we want to go ahead and get into the, the kind of the main quote of the night, the one yeah, that's kind of we pop, popping off? We need to address this. A little bit. Yeah. Um, we're going to go ahead, and I know it's not incredible podcast slash video fodder to just kind of sit here and listen to me read a quote. It's important that you get this one right. right. That, that, <laughs> because um, it was a bit incendiary. I, and it's funny, when, well... I was nodding in agreement when he said this, but, uh, but <laughs> yes, you got, you got uh-huh. the quote. <laughs> um, it's Joe, Joe Patrick. <laughs> Again, just taking up that sword. Uh, makes me laugh. Um, cause we love you, Joe. And we're proud of you. Um, Thanks. but yeah, the, the question, uh, we do want to get the question to kind of lead it into it, right? It was essentially, uh, from a personal standpoint, um, kind of how is this start? affected you um and uh, am i saying that right am i putting that in the right frame? i think so yeah yeah it's something about is it causing you personal strain you know getting off to such a rough start sure kind of thing absolutely um okay so here's gonna we're gonna roll through this full quote here um it says the fans last year were a little bit spoiled with results last season he did say spoiled that's that is the direct quote um everybody expected and that's also normal but everybody also saw what happened with Toronto when they played Champions League last season. Out of nothing, we were induced to play every three days a game. Now, I think in 17 days, we play five games. That's a lot. And we also play Monterey, who's just a very good team. Not a team you think, okay, you're going to beat them away. We were very close to a very good result when nothing, but we have two setbacks in the last nine minutes against Monterey. And now in the last five minutes against Cincinnati, that's hard because everyone gave 100% to get a good Results, and I think we can go line by line. Let's, here. Yeah, I was gonna say we need to break this down. <laughs> um, so let's let's address the spoiled thing first. Sure. Um, talking about if if you're making PR moves to put in Pity Gonzalez in front of City Files people, you <laughs> Pity don't Martinez. Pity Gonzalez. Pity Gonzalo <laughs> Martinez. He calls him Gonzalo. Uh, yeah, he does. Now. He does. Sorry. He does. Um, so <laughs> Pity Martinez. Goodness. Um, if you're putting Pity Martinez in, in front of City Files people for PR purposes, then you've got to be more aware of how words like spoiled are going to come across, uh, I think. Um, but in a sense, in the, in the way he said this, in the context of how he said it, See, and this is the, the results last season, uh, yeah, sure, why not? We, it's expected that this fan base would have high standards after a championship. That's true. Um, I do think this is the part that I was nodding my head at. I do think Atlanta United fans are spoiled. And that's not to say that, you know, I think Atlanta United fans shouldn't have high expectations. I think they legitimately have been spoiled in being able to watch amazing soccer for two years, for the only two years that this club has existed. So in that sense, I totally agree with Frank DeBoer. I think that 
And the frustration we're seeing from the fans, we heard some boos tonight, is how we how we transition to a new era, you know? Chapter three, if we want to be on brand and be company men with uh, ATL Always. UTD. Always. Yeah. Um, it's never easy. It's never easy to change coaches because when you're not just changing a coach, you're changing an entire man, uh, coaching staff. You're changing the philosophy of the way that the team plays. Mm-hmm. And some, and obviously this team, again, is, is losing a player that was super important to them last year. So, you know, I, I anyway, back to the spoiled thing. I, I agree. Come um, at me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I, I don't Are you that. not? Do you, do you guys not feel like you've been, like, blessed to see this team? Absolutely. So I, I agree with that to an extent, but I also think that the expectations of a team coming out and um, showing just how much talent they have and having an understanding of what they're doing, I think that is a fair expectation. Now, it may be overblown to an extent because of the spoiled thing, um, but at the same time, you haven't seen anything that matches the expectation that a team who is almost certainly the most talented in MLS, I would say, mm-hmm. um, sure. has not been showing anywhere near that. Yeah. I mean, we're showing it on the level of a, literally on the level of an expansion team with a bunch of USL players. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the play has been bad. It's been worse than I thought it would be. Right. But, um, again, I'm, 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 I'm kind of waiting to withhold my judgment. And I should say about the spoiled thing, while I agree, never would have said it. Yeah, I never would have said <laughs> in my life um, if I was the manager. I'll, I'll say thing. it's maybe, all I am is an agent. Just way more blunt than uh, than yeah. we used to. Yeah, um, um, no niceties, uh, which may not go over well here in the heart of the South. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I do want to get in the next thing though, um, where he talks about uh, everybody also saw it happen with Toronto. Uh, last year, and that's concerning to me from a perspective. You kind of get into a little bit of whataboutism there, mm-hmm. um, yep. where you kind of say, "Well, hey, look, we're struggling, but hey, so did these they guys did too. last year." Yeah, uh, which ignores a whole it's lot a of context, which ignores a whole lot of other teams who made it far in the Champions League last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, Rebel, Rebels, Rebels, Rebels went, for example, uh, Rebels one leg right? less and yeah. had set that points record. So absolutely. Um, so it's it's concerning that if he you see him kind of uh, making those kind of projections. Um, and again, I thought that was I don't not know how much look. we can take out of it. I, I thought that was... That's maybe the worst part of the whole thing. Yeah, I thought that was worse than saying... Actually, I don't know if it's the worst part of the whole thing. <laughs> We're getting there, okay, but it's okay. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, he talks about uh, just how much they're playing, and that, that's fair. That That's fair. If you're going to be playing a lot of games, he went on to kind of clarify that further with stuff Joe already touched on with just how they aren't being able to, to work what they need to into practice. Um, but uh, he goes on to say, and we also play Monterey, who's just a very good team. Not a team you think, okay, you're going to beat them away. Let's just sit with that. Let's just sit with that one for a second. I mean, I no. <laughs> listen, Monterey is, a, is more financially powerful than Atlanta United is on the field. I mean, they needed yeah. a left back. They went out and bought one for four million pounds in Miguel Ayun. He's a he's a, a Mexican legend. Um, they are legitimately a great team. Now, again, like I wouldn't say that he, again, this is exactly what we just talked about. Yeah. It's it's deflect it's it's deflection. And I thought that this was actually like the most kind of cringeworthy part of his press conference. And it kind of seeps into a lot of his answers, I felt like. Um, just like this, you know Excuses, I guess you could say, is 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 a, is a word for it. Um, it's not like that direct. It's it's more of like a. 
it, I, I don't know. It's like it's like an epidemic that's in, in, infiltrated. Like everything he talks about is like cushioned with these little these little deflections and what about is and like you said absolutely absolutely it is interesting to openly admit that your mindset is not to is that you don't think you can win in a yeah. sense which may not be how he meant it but it's again it's how it's going to be perceived yeah and, and for, i don't yeah again for a guy whose pr aspect whose outlook his aesthetic is so important for what he needs to do here to be accepted it's, it's just not good it's just not good um so yeah yeah uh, let's see. What else did he have in here? Um, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, he also says stop booing everybody because the players played hard. Okay. <laughs> sure, bud. It is amazing. Like, we played bad here under Tata. Believe it or not, we actually did. I we, we played a time. We lost to Minnesota United on this field. We lost, uh, We actually beat Philadelphia Union, but we played terribly. They had two men sent off in like the 20th minute. And it, I think we ended up winning 3-1 or something. But it Remember was, when all the VAR innings happened yeah. and we got all depressed about losing to Sporting and yep. Red Bulls, who were phenomenal teams? Yep. Yeah, yeah so we played, we've played poorly here many times, but I've never seen the the booing or obviously heard the booing right the general reaction from the from the fans was is interesting to me and, and someone makes a good point here too and it's something we didn't quite touch on which we should have is that uh frank did kind of say well stop booing the players they weren't booing the players <laughs> but I, <laughs> I don't think they were <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> um so yeah no yikes but you're right there was a there was times where tata you know was was struggling a little bit. Yeah. And unfortunately for Frank, it's coming right at the beginning. Um, yeah. And I and I think that this is kind of plays into what he I think what he like kind of meant to say, which is that if it weren't for this very high bar that's been set in front of him, people might not be reacting this way. People not, might not be so freaked out. We'd probably be ecstatic that we had Frank DeBoer as our head coach, you know, if he was the first one. If this is GBS, same exact results. Uh, maybe same even aesthetic even if this is if this is Barrichello or Skeletto, mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. how do you think people are reacting? Is it is it the exact same? I, I can't imagine I, it is. I don't know. I think it's bad, but it's it's Good not question. this. Good question. They're not getting booed tonight. Yeah, and speaking of him, I mean LA Galaxy, they they just they lost. Pretty poorly uh, yeah. against FC Dallas. There may have been no good answer so. to, to what <laughs> this actually was, but yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting to talk about just the fans' perceptions of it, though, and the booing, and people already now, I think, legitimately calling for Frank DeBoer's head. A small section. I small, still think it's ridiculous. Which is silly. We're going to call you silly right here. Silly. Uh, but at the same time, um, there is kind of a wonder, like, what is the breaking point? And I, I, the, yeah. I don't want to try to pinpoint that because that's impossible. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how the team is going to react to this. Uh, but I, I do want to say that um, if you hire a guy like Frank DeBoer, like Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra both did, knowing exactly what they were doing, I'm sure, uh, having well-researched it, how having examined all the candidates, all that kind of thing, you understand that there is going to be potentially, potentially some PR hassle with this if they get out to a slow start. So I, I don't think any of y'all calling for it, no one's going to really jump the gun and, and he's not going to be gone tomorrow. This isn't that kind of club. This isn't that kind of front office. And I think that's important to note for a lot of people who may be chomping at the bit. And for as much money as they've been willing to spend, 
I'm assuming that a firing would be a pretty significant payday uh, or payout, buyout for, for Frank DeBoer's contract. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I just assume that, that, that to be the case. But you wonder, uh, but again, back to the breaking point, you do wonder a bit, like, when does <laughs> when does the brand mm-hmm. start getting damaged? And that's where it gets a little iffy if, you know, if maybe Joseph Martinez doesn't like the way things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you who do you kind of deal with first? Do you deal with angry Joseph Martinez or do you deal with uh, Frank DeBoer, uh, which again, long ways, long ways down yeah, the road, yeah. but there are a lot of interesting hypotheticals coming out of this. Well, it's something that we've talked about before. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on this show. So um, there was a game last year where Atlanta United, it was, they were winning like one nothing at halftime. And it was kind of a boring game. You know, like, it was kind of like the first half of this one. Um, you, you get a goal, but it's mainly pretty well on. And uh, they ended up winning like 3 nothing or 3-1 or something. And I remember after the game, somebody asked, uh, asked Joseph what Tata, what the message was for them at halftime. And he said that Tata gave them the business. That was the quote at halftime of the game. They were winning one nothing. And I think that that spoke a lot about how much kind of social capital Tata Martino had within that group of players within that locker room. And I'm not sure that Frank DeBoer's there yet. I don't know if he can, after a first half like they had tonight, if he can go in there and give him the business and say, we might be winning, but this is not up to standard. You know where this is heading? You know where this is heading? This is heading towards a players only meeting. Yeah, oh, that, that was the vibe I got tonight. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely the vibe I got tonight. <laughs> um, which I, we haven't heard of in MLS since the famous uh, LA Galaxy closed door meeting that did absolutely nothing. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, we're heading there. We're heading there. That's interesting. Again, I think that I, I, I think a lot of things need to happen before we even get into this territory. Again, I, I hate to keep harping on it because it sounds like an excuse, but this team needs time on the training pitch. I think that that's like what everybody can clearly see is that, that there are tactical flaws in the system, and they're only going to be improved by them getting drilled, you know, by the by the manager. Uh, he hasn't really had that time to show what he can do yet. If he's not improving the team when they are having that, that's when, you know, we've talked about me saying everybody's crazy for saying he should be fired or, or whatever. Um, that's when I'll eat my words. If it's we're mid-season-ish and we're still not seeing improvement, we're still seeing kind of the same thing. We did our Dirty South Soccer predictions. I predicted us to finish fourth. I kind of expected this to happen. Um, it's not an easy. CONCACAF Champions League is not an easy tournament. Knew there was not going to be time to train, and there was going to be a big difference in this team versus the team that Tata Martino had. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's something to we really need to keep attention to uh, toward, toward as the season goes on. Yeah. Gosh. You look like you have something you want to say. I just no. Let's get to questions. Let's let's get to questions. Do we actually have questions, or is it um, uh, why is, it is the vulgar first one from why? Robin? Um, Let's see. <laughs> I think she was just They're mad that you. Positive. I, I think Robin was probably just mad that you were requesting Questions engagement after a poor result. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think Robin was just probably asking why in general. Why in general? Uh, Gregor Smith asked, "Are we sure?" I think we've already asked, answered that question by the way in a previous H Dad. So if you want to know why, you'll have to go back and listen. to yeah, it was one, one of the old episodes. It was something about finding love in humanity or something like that. I'll, I'll articulate it better next time. Um, Gregor Smith asked, are we sure Breck Shea can even cross a road without killing himself? Interestingly, so the wingbacks are getting a lot of a lot of crap. Um, I didn't think they were terrible tonight. Uh, I thought Shea was not good. 
Okay. I thought Gross Which is fair. Gross I, don't, I think it was great. So anyway. the problem I have with the wingbacks actually is that they are failing to see like the entry passes into whatever playmakers on that side, you know, like Barco or Pitti. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes those players would be dropping off the back line into space between the, the midfield line and the defensive line at Cincinnati. And the wingbacks were just not putting that ball in. And when you put that ball in, that's when the confusion starts to be created in the, de- in the defense. Um, without that happening... Cincinnati just sat in their shell almost all night. You know, they just sat in a four-four-two shell and let Atlanta United pass in a big U around it, yeah. and they were never really threatened a whole lot. Right, and that's scary. It's <laughs> so boring. God, it was boring. Like it was just kind of. And I don't know. And this is something I asked you in the middle of the game was you kept preaching time and everything like that. And I'm on your side. I believe that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I don't know how it's supposed to look at like full functioning capacity. And if that is ever going to get to a point where it's interesting soccer to watch. Right. Right. And, and I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. It's like, I, I, Wish I had a better, more extensive knowledge of Frank DeBoer's past. I mean, I've watched Ajax highlights. They look amazing from from Frank DeBoer era. Um, but I haven't actually watched full games, and I would be interested to know if they kind of ever suffered through this kind of thing as well. But, you know, you think about those teams that he managed. Frank DeBoer, when he took over Ajax, he was managing a team with Jan Vertonghen, Toby Alderweireld, Christian Eriksen, Luis Suarez... A hugely talented team, like a team that had way decent, more. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A decent team in the Eredivisie. <laughs> um, so I think you do have to question, like, it, you know, was his success there because he had this overabundance of talent? Sure, but you got to think about the overabundance of talent relative to what else is going on in the Eredivisie. Um, you know, and I feel like the gap between us and most teams is is big. Uh, Definitely tonight. Yeah. Is it on that level? I think it might be. I think against some teams in MLS it is. I think against yeah. some other teams it's it's very even. Okay. Um, but against a team like tonight, Atlanta should be winning this game 3 nothing, 4 nothing, Sure. 4-1, Absolutely. something like that. And we never created the chances to score that many goals. Yeah. The chances created is an issue. Uh, let's see here. Uh, lots of where is Tito questions. Um, we kind of touched on what Possession is trying to do. Uh, look, it's just a whole lot of, whole lot of not good. Uh, 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 yeah, we kind of touched on a lot of it. Someone said, luckily we have Philly coming in, uh, over the, you know, next weekend. So maybe we can get another draw there. That's, that's a good opportunity for a point. Um, it is helpful that this team finally has a few home games. They're, they'll, don't have to travel at all this week. They obviously get the home leg against Monterey and then another home game against Philadelphia. But let's talk about which I won't be here for, by the way. Is, uh, is anyone going to play Wednesday? I don't know. It'll be really interesting. To, like, no one really talked about Wednesday. Wednesday's, I mean, it's kind of done. Like, I don't really care, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I care. I'll watch the game, but I don't care who starts, really. I'm not yeah. expecting, you know, the result. I'm not driving from Athens for it, I don't yeah, think. I wouldn't yeah. either. I wouldn't either. I, I do think there is downside, though. I don't think there's much upside, because I don't think it's possible for there to be upside, at, considering it's already 3 nothing. But I think if it's a 5 nothing loss or a 5-1 loss or something, that that will be something. Yeah. And it will that not could be, be special. Good. Yeah. That could be special. It, we could see... And I think that there's it a could risk. look like this by the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I, think that that, I, I mean, I think there's a risk if he again... Or, I'm sorry, if he does not rotate. Uh, or, I'm sorry, there is a risk if he does rotate. 
and he loses by that big margin. So I do wonder if he's going to stick with the same starters again, um, who were clearly dead. They only had like 60 minutes in their lives. Yeah. Again, go back to, to a public relations perspective. There, there's no winning for FTB Wednesday. You don't play anybody, then you stop trying and you gave up. You do play everybody. Well, why didn't you rotate? Why is everyone so tired for Sunday? Yeah. So he's, I don't know. It's a hole he dug, I feel like. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's rough. What was your impression of the players, of, of just talking to them? I actually, it actually made me, it gave me a little bit of comfort hearing their words. I don't know if it was, I should say, when we got into the locker room, Nobody in there except for the people that they had already talked, the communication staff had already talked to who needed to stay and answer questions. Although I think Gressel stayed and he didn't have to. Um, Gressel has to watch anyway. But it was like a ghost town in there. And uh, it was so funny. Uh, Doug Roberson from the AJC was like, Are any of the other players here? Did they all leave? Did they all leave? And no one was like, No one on the communication staff. They were like, um, I'll, I'll see. I'll find out. And Gressel just sitting on the other side of the locker room, just, they left. <laughs> That is problematic, by the way. We need to get something sort of out with that. We got, there's got to be a way for people to do their jobs and hold players uh, somewhat accountable in this, too. But that's a different discussion for a different day. Uh, my impression, I was not heartened by any of it. I mean, you can have you can have Guzan getting up there and, and saying, you know, the, when it comes down to it, 11 versus 11, you, you have to be the better 11, all that kind of thing. But uh, if... I understand the hesitancy to point out the exact issues with it. You don't want to really call anybody out, but I'm not sure anyone is aware of what the exact issues are right now. Um, I didn't really get the sense that, um, of course, this is post game too. Uh, no one's going to be like coming out and right. like, yeah, yeah we're going really. out tonight and we were running, we were running suicides out here on the field <laughs> and we're going to get this sh- done right now no one's gonna be like that everyone's gonna be a little bummed yeah. um, but you don't have a whole lot of time to think about it honestly with the game coming up next week um gosh man it may be a long while before this gets sorted out when do you have time to have the, the come to jesus meetings you know, right yeah where, where do you pick out uh what to do with it um so not that like anyone was like bad at the media or anything tonight. Everyone was pretty open. Yeah, um, yeah, no, they, I thought good. I, uh, again, um, again, I liked what they had to say. I thought it was fiery, passionate. Yeah, they care. Yeah. Obviously, um, I, I still think this team is playing for Frank DeBoer. You know, I think that that's another thing we look at. Uh, you mentioned Joseph. Like, what if he has a problem? I think that that's always something you look for in a manager. Do the players look like they're trying for him? Um, yeah. And when that when that stops happening, then yeah, that's like alarm bells going off. Yeah. And I don't see that. I, I, I still think yet, this team no. wants to do well. They're trying to do well, but they don't quite have a rhythm with each other. They don't understand what they need to do well yet. I don't think. Or, or what to fix to do I think well. That's, I think that's. I think that's right. I think. That, I, I think, think that's where it's kind of at right now. Oh um, man! Like I said, it may be a second before that gets that gets fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Frank DeBoer. I think he's a poor communicator. That's my. That's kind of my takeaway so far. And we talked season. about that before. Yeah. We really begin interacting with him, and that yeah. was just kind of our impression yeah. of the dude. Um, and you know, I can make Dutch Lane Kiffin jokes all I want, and all that <laughs> kind of thing. But it, but until you kind of like really interact with them, we weren't really sure. Um, and it may be a little bit of confirmation bias on our end, but at the same time, seeing everyone else's reactions to it, it maybe didn't have that first impression. Uh, kind of makes me feel like I'm kind of right about that kind of thing. Um, so how do you go from Tata, who in any language is a wonderful, warm... The board did not lose the locker room tonight. Just saying. 
Right. No, I think we had someone comment that. Someone said that. It's yeah. not true. Right. We've had whole lots of interesting comments on the dude <laughs> this. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, coming from Tata into a guy that's um, a little more awkward. Maybe, he, maybe like, maybe, like, when he's speaking, speaking his, his, like, native tongue, he's, like, it just makes sense on a different level. Yeah. Maybe we're just being judgy because he doesn't speak on the same level as, as we're used to. But at the same time, like... Tata didn't speak English at all. Right. And we still loved him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe and, that's why we loved him. I Parker, don't know. Parker's even said, I, I think someone was talking about, you know, understanding the or whatever, and Parker said the same thing. He goes, Tata spoke Spanish, and I didn't understand 90% of what he said, but, you know, yeah. he got he still seemed to get his point across that when he needed to. Right. So. Yeah. And, I, and I will say, you know, Tata's system, when, when he started in 2017, it wasn't perfect. We lost. We only won three of his first ten games. Um, but I will say that we looked like we knew what was going on a little bit more tactically than this team seems to right now. And there was in, in those first ten games, I think we only played three of them at home, and I, we only won one of those home games. Sure. But um, I don't know. I, I do have a worse feeling about this than I did back then. And that's but just, maybe, <laughs> maybe hindsight's twenty twenty. Sure, yeah, totally. Um I don't know. I don't know. The, the hunch for me was always kind of there. That you, you saw my reaction to it when this was announced. Just kind of the neuroticism with which I went forward yes. and trying to... I opened up our back-end system on Dirty South Soccer, and I saw an article that you had started that had nothing but a headline and the picture in it. And the, the headline was... Um, like, I'm falling deep down into the dark hole of Frank DeBoer, and I don't know what I'm going to find out, or something like that. Right, yeah, <laughs> something to that extent. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I maybe had more of a negative reaction to, than other people would. And some of it was partly joking and, like, wanted to yeah, kind of continue right. on with it. But there was that right. kind of hunch. And so now that it's kind of being capitalized upon, like, I don't know. It, again, confirmation bias is a hell of a drug. That's all I'll say for a lot of us. Thoughts? Anything else? I don't have any other thoughts. I maybe maybe I had some and I've forgot them while we talked. Anybody have any last second questions? Which is great, H Dad fodder, podcast fodder. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Y'all are weird. You talk about some weird stuff. You do. You Miss do. Miss Miggy. Oh, no, I thought miss, I was thinking, I I was thinking Miggy, like Miss not... Piggy. I thought it was like Miss like, like <laughs> uh, yeah. Me too. Uh, me too. Yeah. I apologize. All right, this is terrible podcast. We need to get this out of here. We're going to go home. Uh, You guys sleep well. We'll see you guys later this week. We'll have uh, another H-Dad. Will we have a midweek H-Dad? I don't know if I will because I'm going to be out of town. I'm leaving town for next weekend. I don't know if I'll be able to get one done. We also have a midweek game. There's just a lot going on this week. So I would say Um, no special H-Dad this week unless you do one. Maybe. We'll see. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, But maybe. Uh, Spring break. Woo! Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Happy spring break. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to spend it by doing work. Um, works, yeah, so works, huh? we'll let you know on the Twitter, that kind of thing. Follow us at Five Strike Final. Go ahead and follow at Dirty South Sock as well if you're not already. Check everything out on Dirty South Soccer throughout the week. Uh, Going to be a whole lot of interesting, interesting content. If you are watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel and click the bell icon so that you get notified when we do this show. We do it for most home games. Um, mm-hmm. I won't be here next week. We will so have a replacement. Yeah. So we'll have Harris Chris Kitchen from Dirty South Soccer as well to kind of talk. And we'll have the live show in some capacity. So yeah. But yeah, uh, everything else. Uh, Richard, you're welcome. Thank you. Keep sending us questions out of the week. We'll try to answer them as we can. Yeah, but, feel free. Uh, always yeah. send a question to Five Strike Final at Five Strike Final on Twitter. 
Cool. At Flash Start Final on Twitter. There you go. Yeah. There you go. At Flash Start Final on Twitter. All right. That'll do it here from MBS. 1-1 one, one, your final score. Bye, y'all. Bye. It's nice like this. It makes me sleep all day. Far away